It is the technology show where we translate geek into regular speak. I am running a bit late this week. So uh, happy Star Wars Day. Um, I have my May the Data Be With You shirt on. I kind of saved the shirt for the 4th of May for uh, Star Wars Day. Um, but yeah, so let's get on to today's show. So let's see what we have with things with a Z. So I did another app this week. I decided that I had so much fun reviewing apps last week that I was going to actually do another app this week. But it's also more a from me to you service. So let's go back to that screen over there. So it's called Degoo, I think, D-E-G-O-O. -O. And I'm assuming the website is degoo.com. I'm going to put up a link that will give you some additional free storage as well. But in a nutshell, this is 100 gigs across platform free storage. Okay, so let's just think for a second there, right? Google, I think, gives you now 15 gigs on Google Drive for free. Uh, Microsoft, or sorry, Apple is five gigs on iCloud. And I think Microsoft, um, I can't remember what Microsoft is called. One, one box. Yeah, one box. Oh, I don't know. Don't use it. But I think it's also like, five or 10 gigs or something like that. Someone's welcome to correct me. <clears throat> so when you get 100 free gigs, that's quite something that's definitely worth looking at. Now, the platform does have a few adverts in it. In fact, if you're watching the show, you'll see the screenshot that I've put up is actually um, a screenshot of the iPhone as well as the desktop view. So you can just see the two different, but they are synced. And on the, um, on the desktop view, uh, sorry, on the mobile view, you'll see there's a little banner across the bottom. So there's a banner ad. Now, people are going to go, oh, but they're serving me adverts. Guys, this stuff's for free. So you, there, there's always a price to pay. I'm actually going to talk about that a bit later on in the show as well. But with Google, you, you're getting it for free, inverted commas, but you are paying a price as well. So 100 gigs across platform. Um, you can pay $3 per month, and that will remove the ads as well as take you up to 500 gigs. Uh, I think it's 10 gigs a month. A 10, $10 a month for one terabyte. That, that is an incredible amount of data for $10 or storage rather for $10 a month. And the other nice thing, as I said, it is cross-platform. So if you're watching, that's a screenshot from um, the Android phone. So if I go back, there was the iPhone, there was the web, and there's the Android phone. Now the Android phone has some more little icons there that the iPhone as well as the um, web version didn't have. Um, before I go into them further, What's nice about Digo is it's as you would expect with a cloud server, you can put music, videos, documents, anything you want. You can even set it to auto-upload your photos. They're clearly making a play for the photo or media space. Um, on the website, it does talk about AI. So I'm going to assume that they're going to try and do some form of machine learning with regards to what they see from the images that you share with them. So be aware that when you are putting the, the data up into the cloud, you are sharing it, right? Um, and they have a feature there called Moments, and the Moments will actually look through your old photos and maybe put something together. I didn't actually load my photos into Digu. Um, I'm very happy with Google Photos. It took me a lot of time to set it up. I have a lot of space on my Google Drive, which I pay for, uh, and I don't need replications of my photos. I'm pretty sure that Google's not going anywhere. Now, on that note, um, you know, this is a newish company. Um, I don't know how long they've been around for. So, you know, you might want to be careful about trusting everything into the in, into Digo um, because it's 100 gigs free. 
um, you know, if they go tomorrow, so do all your files. So, you know, the rule of thumb is have two backups. So I was just saying now, I'm not going to move my photos across. I do have my photos backed up onto hard drive as well. Um, so they have an offline version of them and I have them in the cloud. And then obviously Apple keeps a certain percentage in, in iCloud as well. So I'm pretty sure I'm safe from that. But if you, if you, if you are worried about losing your files, you should probably always have two backups offsite and obviously in the cloud. And then again, don't put sensitive stuff up there as well. So maybe don't put documentation up that uh, you wouldn't want people being able to read. Again, I'm not suggesting that they can, but I don't know what form of access you do give or do grant when you sign up. Now, I did mention that the Android app has a few more icons than the iPhone app and the web app, and there's a reason for that. Top secret cloud drive. So if you look on this, if you're watching, you'll see the little button that says top secret. And if you click it, you go into the screenshot that I have up there. Now that's $205 for the year, but basically what the top secret drive is, you'd be able to put files in there that are behind a vault um, that no one can get to. And I'm assuming they can't get to them as well. And you can access it from any, I've actually played, it works fluidly between my um, Pixel, between my iPhone and between my MacBook. And as you load up on one, it actually shows you. In fact, I think I have that picture there. There we go. So you can see I've got an iPhone and a web version linked to Digo. And then once I actually added the um, Pixel in, the Android phone appears there as well. You, I clearly did these screenshots before I did that. So app of the week, uh, things with a Z, Digo or Digo. Um, yeah, 100 gigs. Now, I said I was going to give you something or tell you where to go. So there's actually another nice screenshot that's up there that's showing you upload progress and where it's going and which categories. Uh, but this is what I want to say. So I've got a link that says Brett Levy wants to give you 105 gigs. So you're going, Brett, how's your mass? You just told us it's 100 gigs. Well, this is sharing is caring. If I share my link with you, I get an extra five gigs. You get an extra five gigs. So your 100 becomes 105. I've tried to make it simple so that the people listening that aren't looking at the screen can actually see the link. I created a bit.ly link. So bit.ly forward slash get d go with the capital g and a capital d so it's capital g e t capital d e g o o get d goo um if you use that bitly link it will take you to my invite and we both get five gigs extra for free and yes if hundreds of you do it i get lots of extra gigs so thank you very much in advance and then please feel free to to share it on uh, i've been playing with it now for about a week really solid, really easy to use, drag and drop. So it's kind of got the same UI that you get used to with the other cloud servers. They didn't reinvent the wheel, um, but they definitely gave away a lot more than anyone else is giving away. And what's cool about that is basically, I'm hoping um, the big G and the big A might actually sit up and go, well, hold on a second, someone's coming to eat our lunch, we're gonna match them and we all win. So that's what's nice about when people start doing some disruptive stuff. Time to tech news. This is quite an interesting one. So I'm getting back into NFT discussion. So China has decided to set up um, an NFT network, which they're going to now use to monitor the metaverse. Now, it's, it's quite funny how they're quite open about that, right? So anyone that doesn't know, um, China has a, well, I, I would just call them authoritarianism or digital authoritarianism. That we, we talk about the Great Wall of China, well, not just the physical wall, they have a digital wall. If you've ever been into China, not Hong Kong, not for now, you do need to use a VPN. Um, you cannot access Google, Facebook, YouTube, uh, or anything pretty much from the Western world. That involves sharing. 
Um, and that's because the, the big great red doesn't want you to. So now, because people are talking about NFTs and getting involved with NFTs and obviously decentralized and, and purchasing, which, by the way, is banned in China. You cannot buy anything on Ethereum-backed or um, Ethereum-linked blockchains. Um, but they are going to use their distributed digital certificates on their own NFT. But quite honestly, they're actually trying to spy on the metaverse. That's what they're doing. So I just thought maybe what we'd start seeing now, some of the uh, board Ape Yacht Club NFT starting to appear there um, inside China. So it'll be interesting to see how that works because if they create a blockchain which is designed to record all transactions, then effectively you sharing your data and what you own with China. So does this mean then that the Western world would not be able to A, access this NFT network because they're external to China, or B, if they can, does this mean that they're going to be making, um, making use, well, not are they? They will be making use of China's um, controlled um, distributed digital certificates, which means that you're kind of handing over your data and your information to China. Look, there's enough people in there that they can carry on and do what they need to do for themselves. I'm just not quite sure how they spy on the metaverse or how they get involved in the metaverse if they are still behind their, um, their firewall as such. So, yeah, news out of NFTs. Now, normally I don't do product shows or product discussions unless I've actually physically touched and played with the product. So this is not a review. So for people that aren't looking, you're not or not watching rather than rather listening to the show and podcast, I have a picture up of the new Huawei XS2. That's their new folding phone. So the XS, I think it's the Huawei Mate XS2. The original one, um, I think is about a year old now, two years old. It runs on Harmony. This also runs on Harmony OS, which is like a hybrid version of the Android kernel, but I really, really like this device. Now, I don't think we're going to see this outside of China. Huawei's kind of given the middle finger to the rest of the world and said, well, you've screwed us, we'll screw you. You're not getting any of our cool toys, thanks for the fish. Bye. But if you are looking at the screen, what you'll notice is that it folds outwards. So what I mean by that is if you take the Samsung Fold, for example, the two screens fold together, right? So that it's, and then it's got an, an external screen as well, which you can use while the device is closed. So, so the Samsung effectively um, has two, has three screens. It's got the external screen and then the middle two screens, which become one when you open them. Now, what they've done is they folded it the other way around. So they actually fold, the, the two screens are back to back. So both sides of the phone have a screen and then you open it. Um, and then it will obviously be no screen on the back and you have a tablet. Now, why do I like this? Well, First of all, the one part I don't like is you would effectively be putting a screen down on the table or on the desk somewhere. You've got to put it down, right? So if you are going to do that, I, I did mention last week, Zag, how I changed my um, screen protector. Give them another shout out. I'm sure they'll make a screen protector that will go on this device, which will be easier, right? Because it folds outwards. Now, when the device folds inwards, the screen protector might be a problem. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out. In fact, I'll ask ask the guys to respond to that if there would be one. But if you've got a screen protector, then that's great. You put it down. And you obviously can't just put half a screen protector because that would look a bit naff and you keep hitting the line when it opens. But what's really cool is that when this device is open, the camera bank that goes down the side. So for those listening, there's this like black bar that goes all the way along the vertical edge of the phone, which has got the cameras in. Um, that's raised. So you can actually use it almost like a bit of a grip. In fact, if I take the Pixel, it's the same kind of concept. The Pixel's got a raised section. And 
I can hold it like that and put my fingers behind it. And it just locates quite nicely, especially if you're doing something that needs to hold the phone upside down for whatever reason. I don't know. But it's got that same. So that's the easiest way I can describe it. If you've seen the, the Pixel 6, that raised camera bank, that's kind of what it is. So the phone folds and docks behind that quite smoothly. Um, and then you could actually grip that. So if you were holding it in one hand and reading it as an ebook or something like that, I think that would be quite a comfortable position. So I just have to say, incredible job by Huawei. And, you know, I've, I've owned a couple of Huawei phones before. I've reviewed a couple of Huawei phones before. Their build quality has always been good. Um, they make a really good product. So I don't see this not being a good product. Um, I just do hope that we do get to see it come out of, of China into the rest of the world. And if it does, and if anyone from Huawei is listening, please, pretty please, can I get one to play with? And I'll do another actual hands-on review. So that's the Huawei Mate XS2. Um, a Spotify island. Now, I, I, well, I do like this. Otherwise, I wouldn't have put this in the news because I generally only put news in that I kind of like anyway. But Spotify, the music listening app, have done a deal with Roblox. Now, this is interesting because Minecraft have done live events inside the Minecraft world. And Roblox has kind of always been the, if you don't play Minecraft, you play Roblox kind of game. Um, and it's come a long way. And they've also really carved a great niche into the education market. A lot of the kids do a lot of coding and learning using Roblox. Um, so Spotify has partnered with them. They've launched Spotify Island. Uh, if you can see, there'll be like live um, music events. Um, artists and fans can can interact. Um, they're going to be quests. If you do, I think, four quests, you unlock exclusive content. But more importantly, how do you make money? Well, of course, that's what it's all about. Um, you'll be able to buy um, uh, merchant, merchant, sorry, merchant. You'll be able to buy merchant, merch. You'll be able to buy um, merchandise inside the environment. Now, apparently Roblox will hand over all the revenue to the artists. So good on them. Well done. That's really decent of you. A Roblox though is not as decent. They're going to take their pound of flesh, which, come on guys. You know, everyone's done it tough for the last couple of years. The musicians are now getting back in. This is giving them a platform. I think you should have maybe just waived your fees because you're going to get numbers of people coming through. But anyway, I'm not the CEO of Roblox. I don't make these decisions. Um, but it is still cool. And I think it's quite nice, especially, you know, Roblox is generally a younger community as well. So, you know, these artists that are, are not going to have ways to actually get in front of their fans um, as well as give them merch and, and exclusive content. So interesting um, collaboration. And, uh, yeah, well done. Be interesting to see how that all plays out. Right, so this is something that I do very, very rarely is when I have to make a 180 degree. And I'm going to have to make a 180 degree here and say sorry to Apple. Now, I know everyone knows I'm a huge Apple fan. I am a huge Apple fan. But if you've watched or listened to the show over the years, you'll know there's a couple of things about Apple that I really don't. Now, I need to change that to didn't like. One of them is maps. I have never, ever liked Apple maps. So the other day I got into the car and I have the CarPlay, which I reviewed a few months ago. Um, and the address that I had saved, I clicked on it and it default opened in Apple Maps. I didn't really think about it because I was on the CarPlay and I started driving. And that was when I realized how amazing the new or latest version of Apple Maps is. So I came around a corner and a warning popped up saying, warning, hazard 200 meters ahead. Now Waze does that. But Apple and Google don't do that. And I thought I was in Google Maps for a second. So that's the second thing. The interface has become very googly 
if that's a word, um, but still Apple-y in the sense, <laughs> making up words today at a furious rate, googly and Apple-y. But it's become more, it's still got that Apple brush to it, that finesse, the way the buildings are raised, the, the little crispness inside the maps. I thought, well, this is pretty cool. And I kind of now realize I was on Apple Maps because my watch was pinging as well. Now, I use Apple Maps when I ride a bike because of the watch feature. I don't have to look at a screen. Just a notification pops up on the screen with an arrow saying left. It, it talks and says turn left to right, but there's an arrow. So I can just see that there's an arrow coming up in 200 meters. When you're on a bike, that's pretty cool. You don't have to take your eyes off. And your hands, of course, on the handlebar. So it's just a quick wrist adjustment. And then it started warning about red light cameras and speed cameras and things like that as well. So... I will take a slice of humble pie with a slight little drizzle of caramel sauce on the side with some full cream whipped cream. Well done, Apple. Apple Maps is now definitely worth using if you're on an iPhone. And the most important part and the final part of my whole 180 is it's actually accurate. Now, I'm going to try find a way. And again, maybe, Alon, if you're listening, you can advise me. I know you're very involved with the Apple Maps and, and Maps community. If where I live now, when you put my address in, very often it sends people past where I live. I think there was an old entrance there once upon a time. Apple Maps doesn't do that. Now, in the old days, people got lost using Apple Maps because it sent them all over the place. So their accuracy has clearly been increased. Um, I think they're based on TomTom Maps, and TomTom is always a great product. So I'm finding that Apple Maps are more accurate. I'm finding that I'm getting more um, information from Apple Maps than I'm getting from Google. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, as I said, I have to, uh, I have to just do a 180 on that. However, um, and I also to just have another moan at Apple and say, right, now that you fix maps, please, 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 pretty, please. Can you fix mail? Cause that's still a terrible program. So that's, uh, I think brings us to the end of tech news. So in, are you game? Well, Given that today's uh, the 4th of May, um, Star Wars Day, may the 4th be with you for any of those that haven't figured out what the 4th of May is yet, um, I try to find something Star Wars-y, and unfortunately I couldn't really, I mean there's a lot of games out there, but the screenshot is from the up and coming game of Star Wars Jedi 2. Now we're probably not going to see Star Wars Jedi 2 uh, until 2023, okay, so it's still a way, ways to go. However, the bad news is that it's only going to come out on PS5, Xbox X, and S-Series, as well as obviously PC, Steam. Now, um, I can hear people going, okay, but what have you left out? Well, it's PS5 and Xbox X. So if you're on a PS4 or if you're on an Xbox, um, what was one before X, one, you're not going to get the game. So it is bad news, but being a glass half full kind of guy, I'm going to say, well, it's just a good excuse to upgrade your console, right? Um, because that's the you don't need many excuses to get a new console, but now I'm giving you a good excuse to get a new console. Speaking of which, I have to give a shout out to Cade. So for those of you that watched the show, you met Cade a couple of shows ago when you reviewed the awesome GTEC products. Um, Cade is my son. He's a gamer. And he got a bee in his bonnet that he was going to build his own gaming machine. Now, if you've ever looked at a gaming machine, unlike a normal little desktop, they are quite involved in complex devices. So we were a little bit concerned, but, you know, it's his birthday. It was a Christmas present, probably from the last three years, given what, we've, what you have to spend on these damn machines. And three years to come, Kate, if you're listening to the show. 
But I have to actually give this guy a shout out. He did an incredible job. So I put a couple of shots up. He wanted this whole white thing and it, when it turns on, it has to glow. So everything was specced and built with white. Um, there's an, a better angle. He's got fans running at the top and fans running at the bottom and fans running down the side and a, a liquid cooler running over the processor. Now you gotta remember when I say build it, I mean build it. He went onto the web. Um, he specced all, I gave him a budget. He specced all of his devices, which you can do by the way, I think it's called pcmaker.com. It makes sure that they're compatible so that whatever you order will fit into the respective pieces. And then these damn things just arrive and now you, you've got to build them from scratch. And I'm pleased to say that he succeeded. So I've put the, script, the picture up that I took as well. It's quite hard with all the lights. But the whole brief was for, from himself to himself was he wants this white machine. He's got a new white desk. Everything's going white. And then when it turns on, need, everything needs to go with color. So the RAM needs to glow. The GPU needs to glow. The fans have to glow. Even the motherboard glows. Um, and as I said, it, it didn't go bang. We didn't have smoke signals or fire alarms. And we didn't have to call the fire department to put out any electrical fires. Um, so yeah, well done. And you know, I think he had a lot of fun doing it. I think he had a lot of stress doing it as well. There's a couple of components there that I think if you get them wrong, it's quite an expensive mistake, but he didn't get it wrong. It turned on, it runs. Now he's just doing the tweaking, you know, loading and drivers and all those good things. Um, and obviously putting up rank systems and that into the hard drives. Yes, drives. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout out and another mention to GTEC because that's the keyboard that's going in front of it. Um, that was one that he reviewed on a few shows ago. So um, yeah, crack a job, mate. Really, really good job. Um, and happy birthday till 2032. So the featured merchant of the week. Um, so I actually didn't get to play games this week. I did supervise and help a little bit with the gaming machine. I was a bit worried and you know, I wanted to see what he was playing on there anyway, so I didn't get to play my own game. Um, the feature merchant of the week, I thought I would say it should be Entertainment Earth. If you go over to the smemall.org, um, just search collectibles or search Entertainment Earth. Um, we'll just go into the toy section. There's quite a quite a few vendors. But now the picture I put up here as well, again, being Star Wars, this is the limited edition. It's on pre-order now. Um, it's probably, probably already sold out, it, it, and if not, it's going to sell out now so um get over there click on the link visit the site get yourself the uh, funko pop vinyl and uh, on pre-order and uh yeah happy star wars day okay well that brings us to a q a now i actually i mentioned earlier um normally i look for questions i loved this question so i actually had prepared for this question because it did take a little bit of preparation i couldn't do this one just by reading the list but the question that came through is, what is the difference between Web 2 and Web 3? Now, I did touch on this a little while ago about Web 3, but I, when I say touched, I mean touched. I think I went as far as Web 3 is decentralized and kind of left it there. So let's go into a little bit more detail because I mentioned China at the beginning of the show. So um, I thought, well, let's, let's have a look at now. So Web 3 is a decentralized version of the Internet as we know it, which is currently Web 2. And Web 2 is a change from Web 1. Now, users get to own their own data and their identity. This is one of the main things. So we're talking about it with Digo. We're talking about it with China, that there's always a pound of flesh that you have to pay when it comes to getting stuff for free. What Web 3 is all about is because it's moving into, into a decentralized or disruptive um, identity, 
the users get to own their own data. What that means is targeted advertising will be disrupted because you're not letting cookies anymore. There's no more cookie dropping on you. Um, whatever you search, your browser history, all that kind of stuff won't be made available to the search engines. So it's going to be incredibly difficult for targeted advertising to actually get to you. Um, and it's also built on blockchain technology. So it's all kind of kept, you know, that ledger's there and it's maintained and all those good things. But Web3 is also focused on the metaverse and tokens, which obviously includes NFTs. So we're moving into this whole decentralized track everything, your own everything, right? Not letting Google and Apple track everything. This is you tracking your stuff you owning your stuff, you owning your data. Now, if we take Web 2, our current web at the moment basically takes all of these controls and powers away from us. As consumers, we just hand our data over to big corporations. Now, I personally don't have a problem with this. If you're going to serve me adverts in return for cool free software, great. I want those adverts to be relevant to things that I'm interested in. In order for them to do that, they need the cookie and they need to look at my browsing history. Without that, I might start getting ads for all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff. They're not too worried because I've obviously built up enough history on the world for, well, for the last 20-odd years, and Facebook's pretty much in the same boat. So they'll build their lookalike audiences, and they will get some of it wrong. But if you look at two business applications, this is probably the easiest way I can answer the question, the, you know, the main differences between um, Web 2 and Web 3. So the first one is trust. So in Web 2, um, we have a centralized service model. So what we do is we trust big corporations like Apple uh, and Google with our data, right? So we say, here's our photographs, here's our documents, uh, here's our proposals, here's everything, take it, stick it in the cloud or wherever the hell you want to stick it. Um, and we know and trust you that it's all going to be good. Web3, on the other hand, is peer-to-peer. -peer. So there is no central authority. There's no single failure point. When I talk about a failure point, think about like when there's a hack on these big companies. They announce tens and hundreds of thousands of gigs of data get hacked. That's because it's centralized and we've all put our data into that one little place. And when the hack occurs, they get all of our data because it's all there. Web3 won't have that because your data will be yours and any transaction that you do or anything that you do will be, be between you and someone else. Now that someone could be a corporation. So the someone is juristic or natural. Um, but it's going to be a one-on-one -on -one relationship. It's not going to be a, because you've already got all my data and I trust you, please serve me X, Y, and Z. So that's the one big thing is the trust component. And the second thing where the difference between Web 2 and Web 3 um, is user participation. So in Web 2, current model, um, we get free services in exchange for our data, right? So like, as I said, the featured app of the week is Digu. Um, it's a Web2 model. They're going to serve adverts. And I can promise you now that whatever you put, if you put pictures of you surfing, right, if that's your thing, I ride motorbikes. So there's lots of pictures of me riding motorbikes. And there's lots of pictures of beer because I like beer. And I take, that's probably all that I have on my Instagram is beer. Um, I can guarantee I'm going to get adverts on motorbike parts, motorbike paraphernalia, services, beer, taverns, uh, and things like it. Maybe Alcoholics Anonymous as well. I don't know. But basically, they're going to use my data, because it's centralized, to serve me adverts, right? In return, I get free storage. Web3, we own our data, and we choose how to monetize it. 
directly through the blockchain. And that's probably why China's having a look at it as well. So let's, I, I had Spotify Island up for a reason. And, that, and I kind of like a little moan at, at Roblox because they want to take their pound of flesh. In Web3, an artist or a musician would be able to create, let's say, an NFT and sell that NFT to you. Um, and they keep the money, not the record labels. Or they'll be able to do a gig, go through a Spotify Island or Zoom or whatever it might be, where they can charge and they take the money. The money comes through via Ethereum or block, uh, Bitcoin or whatever they want. I mean, it can take a normal financial transaction. It doesn't have to be a crypto transaction, but it's all going to be powered and recorded on the blockchain. So basically, if I had to summarize the question, um, we currently give away all our data on Web2 in return for services or software. And in Web3, we're going to reverse the situation where we're going to sell our data in return for services and stuff. Now, let me clarify that stuff, right? What might happen is Google might turn around and say, right, no more, um, no more free Google accounts. Because we can't get enough information on you, because we're not allowed to access your information and what you're doing and what you're doing online, which means we can't accurately serve you adverts and therefore advertisers aren't spending money, Sorry, that's it. Game over. We're closing up the swimming pool and you want to come and swim, you're going to pay. So that is the risk of Web3. So we need to sit down and ask ourselves, well, it's happening anyway, right? I mean, there's already venture capital funds that are being set up for Web3 development. Um, the, the blockchain is established. Multiple blockchains are being built all the time. So we are going into Web3. That's a given. Um but we need to look at the next 18 months to three years, four years, or five years, whatever the lifespan of Web3 is going to be, and actually ask ourselves in five years from now, was it worth holding on to our data versus the amount of money we've had to spend to get free email? Because it probably won't be free anymore, right? Um, or free file storage or free editors. Take Canva. Canva has a free, um, free version and they have a paid version. The free version is pretty cool. That might disappear. Why? Because they're not going to get your data. They're not going to be able to leverage your data. That's what the whole thing is all about. So that means when you do a design, you best sell that design. That means you need to get money in for your design so that you can buy, I don't know, Canva Pro or, or maybe move to Photoshop because you're going to be paying now, right? HubSpot. I love HubSpot. I use HubSpot as my personal CRM. Um, what's going to happen with HubSpot? Well, they might decide now that they're not going to do the free version anymore. They might turn around and say, well, you know, uh, we were getting data from you. We were getting contacts from you. Because remember, it's not just the definition of your data would be the data that you manage and own. So if it's your contact list, if it's your contact database that you've put into a free CRM, HubSpot can access it and they can build it. If you've used HubSpot, you'll see that when you start typing the company name, all the information appears. Why? because they've got it from somewhere. Somewhere it's been shared before. It's centralized. So the HubSpot's going to turn and go, well, thanks, but no thanks. You're not giving us anything. We're not in the business of just giving stuff away for nothing. And welcome to your $50 a month bill. So I'm not overly personally excited about Web3. Um, I'm not concerned about my privacy online. Never have been. If you've listened or watched the show for the last few years, you'll know that I'm not because I don't do anything stupid online unless I get myself banned on Facebook because Facebook's just too stupid to understand um, satire. Yes, Facebook meta, that was another attack at you. Ban me again if you choose. 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't do anything that I'm worried about. I don't commit anything of illegal natures that I'm worried about. I don't need to talk behind encrypted um, chats. So I would much rather give away my data and the use of my data in return for gigs of storage, very cool software that works and does stuff and helps me manage my business. So that hopefully answers the difference between Web 2 and Web 3. See you in five years' time to discuss the difference between Web 3 and Web 4, which might actually be Web 2 to the power of 2, and we get to the 4 because we went back to centralize. And I could just see Google and Apple saying, going, come, 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 come back and play. So I think, yeah, that brings it. If that was Q&A, that brings us to the end of the technology show. I cannot believe how quickly half an hour goes. It's, it's insane. So all that's left then is uh, have a good one. Enjoy May the 4th. And until next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny.